Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Vinyl Divers. I'm your host, Anthony Mullen, and I want to thank you for joining in for another episode, another edition. I know last week was a Blind 45. Today, I'm giving my first impression again, but it's a true, full-on, thought-out first impressions for a band that I've heard before, and I've heard one or two of their singles or hits. I know only very few of their songs... And I probably only know them through, if you were to say, oh yeah, that is, uh, that's these guys. So when I was thinking about doing an album today, this one came up to me and was presented by a friend and he said, well, why don't you try this one? So we sat down, we put it on the vinyl, we went through and I, I actually took some notes while listening to the first entire side and the second side. I developed those into feelings, and those are my impressions, and I want to bring those to you because I've sat on those, I've thought about those, and I want to—I don't want to just give you my impression and then leave you. I want to let you know who we're talking about. I want to give you a little bit about who they are. And so today, I'm bringing up a band that came out of nowhere in the early '90s. They hit the world, blew up, and then for this album, they took a break because someone didn't know understand someone didn't know how to take the fame that came to them. And that's where this album comes from. Today we're talking about Weezer's second studio album, Pinkerton. So that's the opening song uh, titled Tired of Sex. But before we get into the impression and the feelings about this album and what I want to say, and they're really good, I want to talk a little about this album. So this was the second studio album by the band Weezer. It was released on September 24th, 1996 on DGC Records. And what was cool about how this album came about was this wasn't meant to be the second album. The singer Rivers Cuomo he was writing an album, and it was more of a rock opera, and it was going to be titled Songs from the Black Hole. And in production of it, he just realized that's not what he wanted to do, and the height of fame that their first album, which was self-titled Weezer, but it's known as the Blue Album, or Weezer's Blue Album, it, it shot him up so high, he didn't think it was going to happen like that. These guys are young, and they just became instantly hit famous. And they weren't expecting that. So when they were trying to write their sec- this album, Songs of the Black Hole, it just wasn't good for her, for Cuomo's, uh, Cuomo, Cuomo's mindset. It just threw him, threw him into a whack. So he took a break during... Uh, he took a winter... He, over winter break, he took some time and went to Harvard University. And he took classes there. He wanted to go for classical music. And he wanted to just develop that part of him. He felt like... He thought he knew what rock star fame was going to be and the, how the hype was going to be, and then he realized it wasn't that way. It was what you didn't expect. It was more so lonely, and it was very every night meeting hundreds of people that would have 30-second conversations with you to then be gone. So he said there had to be more to it. There had to be something else about it musically. So he wanted to go study classical music or classical composition, 
And throughout this time at Harvard, he ended up writing the writing songs for the album Pinkerton. One of the, the first song actually was uh was the tighter sex that was actually written before he went into college, but majority of them were all written throughout sessions between terms and recorded throughout the time of him at Harvard. And what they wanted differently for this one was they wanted to have a more authentic, more real live sound. They realized that after the first tour, they were more darker. They were more heavier metal live. They weren't the pop flashing buddy Holly music video that they're shown to be. And they wanted to convey that in this next album. They didn't want to mislead anyone, but they wanted to do what they wanted to. And Cuomo felt that that's what he had to do for himself. He had to have it be more authentic, more real. He wanted to feel live and they wanted to, they wanted to create a darker, more abrasive album. The album was named after the character B.F. Pinkerton from Giacomo's Buccini's 1904 opera Madame Butterfly, whom Como described as an asshole American sailor similar to a touring rock star. And he took that as great inspiration for this whole album. They, When they went to record, they actually decided to record without a producer. It was just the band themselves. And they didn't actually layer, layer over vocal tracks either. When they were singing, they did multi-tracking with, or I don't know how to say, what is it? Where they all sang at the same time rather than layering over and dubbing over and just compressing it all into one file. They wanted it to sing as if they were playing for you and you were there with them. And I saw shots of the studio where they're recording. It's in the record sleeve. And it's how you think of it. When you're listening to this album, it makes you feel like you're in some... You feel like you're in a dive-in bar. You feel like you're in like almost like a basement scene, a hall, or like an apartment flat studio. It's this small, darker place where um, if you're almost watching like a Nirvana uh, music video, where you're getting that like that feeling, like where they're like beat up auditorium, abandoned, like giant, odd. It's kind of what it looks like. It's a giant, open, vacant space, and that's where they're recording. And it's really cool. And definitely get this sound and you feel that authenticness to it. Because when you're listening to it, when I heard Weezer, I thought of Buddy Holly. And then I started playing this and you're like, ooh, this is darker. This is heavier. And I was not disappointed. It was very fun. They gave this out. The, they gave the album a live, raw feeling. What I want to talk about this album, what my feelings about it, my first impression is, I have to say, uh, the copy I, I listened to is uh, Chris's. And a disclaimer is that Chris has not affected my opinion on this album prior. All that he has done is made this amazing vinyl available for me to listen to. And you get that out of the way. And I'll say is that this is not my first Weezer I've heard of. I've heard of some of their big hits. And like I said, I'd probably only know them if you pointed out their hits to me while they were playing, saying, oh, this is Weezer. And I go, oh, I recognize his voice. I recognize the name. I got who it is. I know that. And that's really kind of all I thought. And it's so hard and just... It's sad because I, I wish I would listen to these guys more and I wish I would listen to more of them sooner, but it's so hard when you're in this day and age where everyone's saying, did you listen to this band? Did you listen to this artist? Did you hear this new rapper? Did you hear this underground punk ska band? That It's so hard to catch up on everyone. And who do you not listen to? How do you truly build an appreciation for someone? And I didn't have one appreciation for Weezer. And this album kind of brought that to me. I've heard their songs sang a karaoke once or twice. I've heard their hits on the radio or if you, the one or two 
a friend or two has played them live and I'm like, oh, I kind of know this. That's all I had. That's all the exposure I've had to them. And this album, opening up with a song of uh, Tired of Sex, you heard before, it was really cool. It's not what I expected. When I first started playing it, it was it was weird. This organ sound going through it and the bass is as heavy and thick sounding. And when the guitar kicks in, you, you least expect it. It's cool and it catches you off guard. And it's it's weird because it's kind of like if you didn't listen to Green Day, but you kind of have seen enough Green Day on TV, you would expect to hear what they were going to sound like. You kind of get an expectation. I kind of expected Weezer to sound one way, and then this album threw me off. And the guitar has this filter on it, even though for its solo, it's almost like a fuzz box running through a filter channel with some phasers. And it's just this whole, uh, this whole like experimental, not, I don't want to say experimental, but I couldn't classify this entire time listening to it. I couldn't classify the genre of this. You, if you listen to it, you know what I mean. It has this great mix of metal, punk, garage vibe, but it also somehow goes poppy. And then it changes on, on, on the song. Uh, the side A, it's got this slow song, but the guitar is heavy and it sounds this weird almost contrast between the guitar filters and the chord progressions are poppy and punky, which I like. But then there are certain songs after it drops down and goes slow and the slow, the solos are very slow and you can hear that classical sound in in Cuomo's writing. You can, you can hear where it is. It's more lyrical. It's, it's more of an art artistic than just some pop punk grunge song, just filter and throw out at you. And, it's what I like. I honestly, this song, this album, the side caught me off guard. And as it changes through each next song, it picks up uh, a new, uh, as it changes through the next song, the fourth song, it picks up this punk speed that comes up with this poppy drums behind. And one thing that I kept running through my mind when I heard this song, song, the fourth song is why bother? What kept me, me think about it is that it kept reminding me of the Beatles they had this swing feeling to the drums that I kept feeling like I was watching Ringo Starr. Because when I listen, I try to close my eyes. I try to really become immersed. And that's what I kept seeing. I kept seeing like that scene from the, them playing in the Liverpool underneath in the cellar, basement, brewery area, the bar. And they just have this, this poppiness to this drums and just it mixes perfectly with the distortion from this angst and this like 90 grunge. And then the lyrics are too are great. This song, this side has a uh, very great book ending with the song Across the Sea. And I want to let you hear it right now. So what's really cool is how each of the songs throughout this album kind of picked off a part of inspiration from the art from the singer's life. And this song, the story behind it is really cool is that he received a letter from a fan in Japan to become infatuated with her. 
But then after that, he became very angry through the fact is that he would never meet her. So this is where he wrote the song out of that inspiration that it wasn't just like a little fan letter for whatever reason, this letter, it just caught his attention and just filled him up with some great love. And then he realized he'll never meet that person. He'll never meet that, that one person in Japan from when they first dropped their first album and it blew up. And for whatever reason, they wrote a letter to him. The song is a great starting with the piano in the background and it adds this great addition of layering. It's really rare when they have a song that just kind of fits and pieces together as a full part. I like to describe these type of songs as sandwiches where you do have a full, there, there's nothing missing. There's no layers fitting out and all those extra instruments that you add in, they add just that extra more. Um, best way to explain this was kind of with Keep Flying where you had the band, which the guitar, bass, drums, the vocals are cool. And that would be like, you know, your bread or your buns, uh, buns, burger and cheese. But then when you add the extra saxophone and guitar or for the lead guitar and the trombone, that's kind of like your pickle, the tomato and the lettuce thrown in there. But then you also have the screams on there. And then that's like the fries on the side. Like it all comes through fit perfectly and it's not forced. And that's why I think this album, this band does great on the second album. I haven't listened to any of their other music other than like, like I said, their few hits. So I can't speak for them, but from this side and actually the second side too, I'll state that that's, that's what the great representation of what this album Pinkerton comes through. It's, it's a great layering and it's not too clouded. It's not too murky or too muddy. The side A, side one, whatever you want to say it, it is a great sound. I love it. It's really cool. And it's not too much. And side two is actually really cool too. Um, the first track, I loved it instantly. And I don't know what it was, but it just, one of those songs, they just catch you and they remind you. And I kept thinking, I kept seeing the scenes from Scrub where the guy is following the main character, JD, the entire time playing his guitar. And then the, then the, Verse would switch over in the chord progression of the verse. Um, then it breaks into this melody that reminds me of their hit Buddy Holly. And you kind of hear where I guess bands will sometimes re... When they play the certain chord progressions over with the, with the vocalist, it does kind of sound like their other music too, but it was different. And the contrast for those two songs in my head really, really hit nice. And the lyrics were uh, fun and meaningful. And the declarations are, uh, no, not wanting to get old and still have fun. It was just it was fun. It was a great way to kick off a side, uh, second side, side A or side B. I liked it. The second song it uh, continues to create this tempo that just feels slow with his lead solo, and the song makes me feel like they were just wanting to have fun in the studio or garage when they did it. Uh, the change in the speed wakes you up back up, or the change in the speed wakes you back up for it, and then so uh, then the slow solo comes back in. And the whole song uh, slows down and it becomes more mellowed. And it has this wicked lick that any music, any musicians out there that like know some hardcore music theory, I'm telling you this, this little solo uh, melody, little lick he's doing, it's got to be in some low Korean or Dorian. I'm calling it now. It was just weird sounding. It was cool. And it kind of like created this tinge in my, in my ear, like, Ooh, there was something off-settling, but I liked it. And what I really liked about this side, though, 
was the third song. And I honestly thought I hadn't heard any songs from this album. And then when it came on, I looked over at Chris and I'm like, you've played this song before. I love it. It's called Pink Triangle. See, that's the swing that I really love about this song. And I can't say it more that this is a great song. The lyrics are catchy. They have this poppy guitar and then that swinging drums in the background. And that's what's reminding me of Ringo Starr again. And it's then this change goes up and then they're back into a punk sound. And how they control this contrast and this change in their sound is what makes me want to say, I want to go play their music. I've I've watched Chris play the song multiple times and I never thought, well, oh, I want to play this song too. It's kind of like, all right, well, you're sharing a song with me. I'll share another song with you. This is one though that after hearing the album going, I kind of really like the song more than I did. I want to go back to it. I want This is the song I think that would catch me to come back to this side. There's other songs on this album that really would, but this is one that I was like, ooh, like I want to have this as a single 45 if it's out there. This is a cool song. It's, it's got a great meaning, and I felt so stupid <laughs> when I first listened to it. I'm like, wow, these lyrics. And I didn't realize the lyrics when they first were pointed out to me. It was about his, the, the singer Cuomo's misfortune when he fell in love with a woman, wanted to marry her, and she ended up being a lesbian. And he was very disappointed, very sad, and he just wrote a song about it. And maybe it's because it, tie, maybe it makes me remi- uh, think of uh, Chasing Amy. But that chase and love that just it's that love you can't have. It's not, oh, she's taken by a guy and she doesn't like you. This is she's not into you at all completely. And it's just like, oh, it hurts. And just this song is catchy. And then, like I said, this Ringo Starr drumming. I don't know where this comes from with him, but the drummer is phenomenal on it because he molds this grungy um, all as uh, edgy emo y punk sound, but then this happy do to do to, to, to swinging to it. It's really good. I love that. Uh, fourth track, fourth track is it, it it's a bit heavier, uh, goes back to more of a heavier sound, more to that mixes that metal edge with that slow grunge, these loud banging drums that are just heavy and solid, and they're gonna like, kick you in the face. and still rapping Ringo Starr I this I don't know I don't know if he's related somehow but it's there and then the fifth song is where the real change up in this album I'll say throws you is you don't see this one coming the way that they end this phenomenal album this masterpiece this story this entire time of how the singer took fame and stardom and how he tried to internalize it and go to college to think about what it meant to him they did a song comes out it's different it's an acoustic guitar it's a slow song too but it's not like the others 
The other songs have this style where they're slow songs, in my opinion, but they're still fast. And it's not like a power ballad where it's powerful but slow, but they still have this fast pace to them with the guitar. The singer, he's singing so slow, though, with his other songs that it's that it's that contrast again, and it creates this tension, and you like it. But this song, it was a true slow song. The guitar was slow, the music was slow, the singing was slow, and it's phenomenal. I think it was a great way, a beautiful way to end this album. The side, I can't really decide, I think, which side wins because, truthfully, I love both so- both sides. I think the good life was a perfect is a perfect song to start the side two with. Uh, El Scorcho is is fun, great, creative. Pink Triangle, I really love that song. But then songs like Across the Sea, uh, Get You, and Tired of Sex are awesome on side A. This is really a, a solid album. If I give my first impressions of thinking about it overall, I wish I was introduced to this sooner. And I know I say that a lot right now, but at some point I won't, and I'll be true when I don't say it, or when I say that I want, I, I don't say it. But this is a great album. This is fun. It was engaging. It caught my attention. Had I been, had I listened to this sooner and really taken time to listen to it more, I, I probably have a greater appreciation for this. And I, I think that if I was introduced to Weezer earlier on, back in high school, like when Green Day was thrown at me, and Lesson Jake and Blink-182, I think my music probably would go into this side, this this feeling more because after my high school like punk, I went into like a more of a hardcore feeling. And I think that would have helped me with this grunge take that they have. I got to rate this album and it's going to be cool. So, of course, I'm going to start with five. We know why we do that because you give every album a fair chance and the rating scale goes from one to ten, so we're going to start right in the middle at five. Duh. I give it one point for bringing me back to the Beatles multiple times. And I love the Beatles, so I got to give you points for that because you're giving me something I love. Two, it's a unique sound that is great. It was a, they made something that was themselves. They didn't just do a generic punk formula, a hardcore formula, uh, a grunge formula where it was just, you know, like Green Day, Nirvana. They, They ran with what they were and they are phenomenal. But these guys had something unique. Like they were that cross in between. They were something different. They had something unique. I that's what I really think stuck out to me. That I first I kind of didn't like, but it, the whole album it grew on me. I was like, no, this is what's good about it. Three, I want to I want to go back, or I'm going to give it another point because I want to go back and listen to more of their music. So if you caught me and you wanted me to go back, you you have a returning client. And then I'm going to have to give it one more because I got to pick this album up for myself. And if you could make me go back, listening to music on iTunes is one thing because I could just stream your music. I could do anything like that. But for me to want to say, well, I have to go out and pay $20 for your vinyl. Or I have to hunt for it and find it cheaper. That's making me do effort. And effort, I think, is greater than anyone saying something good. It's one of the greatest compliments you can get. So let's see, we got one, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is a nine. I'm fully okay and fully proud to be given that. It's a great album. I highly recommend it. This copy was presented from Christopher Chavez, and it is a phenomenal album, sir. I'm smiling, guys. <laughs> but 
everyone. That was Weezer's album, Pinkerton. Thank you for diving in for another episode. Please check me out on social media. Follow me on Snapchat at Vinyl Divers Podcast. Get me on Instagram at Vinyl Divers Podcast. Twitter, Vinyl Divers Pod. Get Facebook, the Vinyl Divers Podcast page. And if there's an album you want me to review or you want me to reach out and say hi, you can email me at VinylDiversPodcast at gmail.com. Please don't forget, head over to iTunes, leave me a rating. And then also check out the website, the BICBP-radio.com. We have t-shirts for sale, everyone. And remember, the BICBP network, we have podcasts for everyone. See you next time.